Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. School of Humans. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cadaver Gals. OMG, so happy you're here. Um, This is the podcast where we talk about death, dying, and the weird, bizarre ways that people die to cope with our mortality. Yes. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Nika, along with Gabby. Hello. Yes. And Taylor. Hi. Cuties, cuties. On today's show, um, we're going to be exploring how a tarot card reading led to death, okay, and um, why playing with literally anything could actually be really deadly. Um, As always, we do have some content warnings, so they are as follows. Choking, death, a hostage situation, (laughs) Um, psychics, murder, sexual assault, and um, death of a child. Wow. Wow. Sounds like a good show. Happy sounds <laughs> like a great show. And cue alligator music. Cadaver gals. Yay, yay, yay. We're all here. Alligator music was so nice. Thanks, Gabby, for making that. That's always just rolling in the back of my brain at all times. Yeah, that's like our low-level anxiety. That's what it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) A constant hum. Yes, absolutely. That's the equivalent of like the monkey clapping toy, which we're going to be talking about toys today. I didn't even mean to do that. Wow. I did it. it. Wow. I'm so proud. So natural. That's so fun. Like Dora the Explorer say, lo hicimos. Okay, so toys. They can be kind of scary. Yeah, they can be. So that's a great (laughs) cue. 
think they certainly yeah um i think as always we sometimes have sadder deaths than other deaths and then we're always like shook by the fact that it's sad but it's going to be this one's pretty sad uh, because it involves the death of a child so uh, let's do it everyone ready yes i mean like Great. as ready as we'll ever be you know yeah yeah so we're gonna be talking about lawn darts had y'all ever heard of lawn darts Aren't darts that that like bar game that you throw on like a circular situation board? So it's just like mega darts. Yeah, it's mega darts, basically. So it was a game that I think was created in like the 1970s, um, or that's when they started. I think in the 1960s, that's when they were they came to the United States. They were usually manufactured in Taiwan and Hong Kong. But it is a toy where, yes, it's a very large dart. And it doesn't have like a sharp point, but it is like just a big steel sort of blunt object attached to a longer back flying piece, you know? So it's just like a very big dart. And then you play them in your lawn. Yes. So they're heavy. Yeah. How heavy are we talking? Uh, They're pretty heavy. I mean, they're probably like each individual darts, probably not more than a pound, but it's like it's less than a pound for sure. But it's still like pretty significant compared to your everyday dart, you know, that you get at the bar. But yeah, so lawn darts, it's basically it's more like horseshoe, that game where you throw Mm -hmm. the horseshoe into the ring or like onto a thing. But instead, you're throwing these darts into a a ring type thing. And then depending on like which if it's inside of it or outside of it, you get points, etc. Woohoo, fun for the whole family, except it's not. The thing is, in 1970, the United States actually banned lawn darts because they were so dangerous and there was a lot of injuries that were piling up. But then in 1976, because of pressure from the sporting goods industry, you know, that lobby, they're okay. like, hey, everybody wants the lawn darts. We want to make, we want to sell them still. So they work, worked out a new law with the manufacturers. I was like, yeah, okay, sure. We can, you, we can sell lawn darts, but they have to only be in sporting goods stores. They can't be inside toy departments. They can't even be close to toy departments. And they must have a warning, a label on them that says, hey, warning, this could be very dangerous if children were playing with these inappropriately. I mean, but if adults are playing with them inappropriately, I mean, it's not like the people like adults are playing this and not having alcoholic beverages. Do you know what I mean? And it also just sounds dangerous to begin with. This is clearly created by a man. Yeah, so this reminds me, alcohol and playing a game reminds me of this Colombian game called Tejo, where basically you have like um, metal balls and then you throw them kind of like ski ball to this clay mound. And the clay mound has gunpowder hidden inside of it. And if you hit the ball to the gunpowder, it explodes and you win. You also traditionally always have to be drinking while playing this game. I used to play it. safe. Yeah, I was so so young, like when I would play it in Colombia, in the farm. Did you ever win? No, I don't have very good aim. Alas, wow. Alas. Well, that game also sounds a little bit dangerous but i'm glad you survived it and that you made it here today so congratulations thank you on making it (laughs) thanks but anyway back to the lawn darts so uh yeah basically anything a child touch can be can be dangerous i think is also a theme so just watch out but uh the reason this story came to i think a few years ago a lot more people were talking about lawn darts because they were just 
trying to compare it to gun safety and being like, hey, the story that I'm going to tell, this like one girl died and then lawn darts were made basically illegal, but guns kill lots of people every year and are not. So, hmm, interesting. Okay, so and we're in 1987. April 1987, and seven-year-old Michelle Snow is playing in the front yard of her house in California uh, while her nine-year-old brother and his pals are playing out back. The brother had gotten his hands on a set of lawn darts that their parents had in storage in the garage. The dad, David Snow, he had bought them uh, because he was trying to get, because it came in like a three-pack set of volleyball badminton and then lawn darts were also in this set so he had bought the whole thing not wanting to use the lawn darts because he didn't know what those were and they looked kind of sus so he had put them away uh, so they could use the volleyball set but alas the boys found the lawn darts and they started playing with them outside in the backyard and the backyard and the front yard were separated by a fence and the boys were just like you know chucking the lawn darts and then it accidentally chucked over the fence and that Michelle was playing in the front yard and it landed into her skull and pierced oh. her skull and penetrated into her brain. Oh, no. And they predicted that it was at a force of 23,000 pounds per square inch. Oh, my um, gosh. And it dropped from, you know, a 15 feet height, basically, from where it was uh, thrown over the fence. She obviously gets up, runs to the garage where her parents are, like, sitting at the workbench. She's... Her dad describes this really, it's so, it's so sad. He describes the scene of her kind of like running in with her, her arms out. And then she ran straight into the workbench. And as she was collapsing, her parents caught her. They took her to the hospital and then she fell into a coma and died three days later. No, that is awful. This is so horrifying, Gabby. This is so horrifying. Yeah. So obviously from the grief of that of losing a child, the dad, David Snow, he be- basically became like a one-man crusader to ban lawn darts in the United States. I imagine so, yeah. I think the story is interesting in that it's like, it just shows how much perseverance can pay off, but it's also like so sad to know that it's motivated by like a hor- horrific tragedy mm-hmm. and his sort of single-mindedness, uh, I imagine, was, you know, torturous for him emotionally but also you know he's grieving the loss of his child so I just anyway so he after this happened in April 1987 he basically starts like drafting letters he drafts uh, all these letters to people on Capitol Hill pointing out how lawn darts are really dangerous and you know figuring out the shit that like it was banned in the 1970s so he's like well why are they on the shelves also he realized through doing all this research on lawn darts that there's other things about the placement of the lawn darts in the store that weren't that wasn't compliant with the actual law because remember it was like hey you can't have these in toy departments they also can't be like within a close proximity to toy departments and they can't be sold and there needs to be like a very clear label on the boxes there Mm -hmm. was a clear label on the box but it was very small and actually it was right next to the toy department so he just found like all these compliance issues and he eventually like through uh, doing his research, he found that about a third of stores in the United States weren't compliant with this, and also 100% of manufacturers weren't compliant with uh, the labeling on the boxes, basically. Wow. So, obviously, the the rule wasn't being uh, followed. I mean, but who would be enforcing that anyway, really? 
the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission are the people who are in charge of that. So that's basically, it's act, at the time, it was only like a three-person committee in Congress, and then they're the ones who are supposed to maintain ordinances and make sure things are being compliant with, you know, all sorts of products. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big job for three people. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, in sort of David Snow and doing all of this, he ended up quitting his job, taking a unpaid leave of absence. Um, he started dedicating all of his money and time to this. He spent all of his life savings buying tickets to go to and from Washington, D.C., to start like lobbying uh, senators and Congress people. So he goes to D.C. because he gets invited by like a congressional aide to testify about the dangers of lawn darts. And then it's proposed in front of the commission for product safety. And the chairman at the time, you know, was like, I don't really think there was actually anything that was violated. And, you know, these don't actually seem that dangerous because the the commission had actually done a study and found in the last 20, in the last 12 years that there had only been 22 injuries due to lawn darts. But when they reinvestigated, they found there was actually 6,100 injuries due to lawn oh, darts in the okay, past Okay, that's a decade. big difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's a big difference. And it was through like David Snow's perseverance to be like, hey, you should like look into this because 22, that's fake. That's fake as hell. And of like, a th- like three-fourths of those numbers were injuries for kids who are under 15 years old. And even more of those were kids under the age of 10. And there was also a couple of cases of other people who had, you know, had their skulls penetrated and were in like, had neurological damage and were paralyzed. That is horrifying. So why did they initially only find 22? I think they were just like not paying attention, you know? Wow. (laughs) So, and they just like, I don't know. I think it's interesting too to think about like how so much of like getting things passed in the United States or like laws changing is just forcing people to pay attention to it. And that's basically what this guy was doing, which is like, hey, this, this happened to my daughter. Yeah. yeah. And so at first, uh, the commission rejected the, a ban on lawn darts. And so obviously, David Snow was very upset about that. So he kept lobbying. He kept, well, that's when he started lobbying. That's when he basically, he got the attention of his senator. And he was like, hey, lawn darts, they're bad. And so his senator actually proposed a law And then David Snow started lobbying people and would like literally go through like the U.S. Capitol and like just find people sitting down and just like sit next to them and be like, hey, let me tell you about the dangers of lawn darts. He would just like knock on everyone's doors and basically try to get all these people to pay attention to him. And he was just like just kept at it for months. And then eventually. Yeah. And then it actually it stirred up enough controversy that people because uh, a lot of people, you know, obviously were in support of the ban, but the the chairman of the commission on the on the safety of products, he they actually were like calling for his removal at, at some point too. I mean, like, who's the person that's like, no, we need lawn darts. It's totally worth the risk. Like, what? Who's doing that? Lawn dart makers. Well, it was also like there was one guy who was uh, he was the owner of Kent Sporting Goods, which was like a U.S. based supplier of lawn darts. And he was like, I mean, he also made this comparison to guns, too. He was like, I think things are wrong with guns, which is the greater evil. Lawn darts that killed three people are guns that killed thousands a year. So he's like bringing up this point. It's like, well, why are we banning lawn darts? Guns kill so many more people than lawn darts. So like, I mean, we should just like keep lawn okay. darts. Like- <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> which is like I would say the same thing but like my conclusion would be opposite I'd be like hey then maybe we shouldn't have as many guns yeah dudes, I was but... gonna say like that's <laughs> he's like well guns already kill so many people so what's up with lawn darts it's only like a few people have died well you know I don't think lawn darts obviously weren't around when they were uh writing the constitution and everything and working on those amendments the right to bear lawn darts yeah, yeah. that wasn't <laughs> in the constitution but yeah so it was actually finally in may 1988 the commission did another vote after there was all this pressure on it from different senators and congress people and they did end up voting in favor of banning lawn darts so right. David Snow got his wish, but then they didn't, it wasn't really going to go into effect until 1989. So he just continued being like, hey, we need to get this done, you know, the sooner the better. So then finally, in December of 1988, they were officially banned, taken off shelves in retailers across the country. And I mean, obviously, there wasn't like a lawn dart patrol team that like went out to take people's lawn darts. I think there was just like a public, there was just like a release that was like, hey, guys, this is dangerous. Probably like don't use them around your kids or whatever don't let your kids play with these so they were banned they're officially banned but um there are people who have been who have continued to make lawn darts to and to sort of get around the legislation what they've done instead is they sell lawn darts but they you have to buy two different parts of it basically it's like the tail of it and the tip of it you have to buy those separately but then you separately but then you can assemble them together to make your own lawn darts you know that big lawn like, dart legislative loophole that people are just really thirsty to get around so i just don't understand like do we really need lawn darts that bad i just don't think so yeah I'm, i mean it's i'm like, living my best life without them so <laughs> i'm so happy to know you're living your best life taylor thank you well thank you so much gabby for sharing Ugh, it's it's still like obviously such a sad story, but you are right about his persistence. And I mean, look, he got it banned. That's pretty amazing. I've never even heard of lawn darts until you started talking about them. So thanks, David Snow, for getting those off the shelves. Lawn darts are off the streets. When we come back, I will be talking about other dangerous toys. And I think we're only going up from here. So stay tuned. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. 
Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at meaningfulbeauty.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, yes, toys. Toys, not sex toys, children's toys. So I was researching a little bit. And do y'all remember, were bindies a big thing in the US? No. Like, okay. Maybe. I don't know. Bindies, they were a big thing in Australia. They were also in the US, but I'm not sure if they were like as, you know, big or whatever. I think they were. What are they? They're very popular. Okay, so they were very popular in the late 90s slash uh, 2000s. Early oh, that's because I was an adult by then. Oh, heard of. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she was already Awkward. 45 by then, yeah. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Well, basically what they were, little dots. There were little colorful dots, and then you would put them on a tray to create, like, designs, and then you would spray the designs with water, and they would merge together. And that's it. Like, you would have art, and then you could, you know, do whatever you wanted with your bindies. I never had them because... I don't think they ever really interested me, to be honest. Like, I want to be like, oh, I was poor. But I really don't think that was the case. I think I just never really wanted They were really just dots you would put on things and then spray yeah, them with on water. on a tray. Yeah, and then spray them with water. And then it was And they art. would just, yeah. They would stick Nico together. was like, fuck art when she was a kid. Well, I don't I, need that. Well, I just think I was more creative than using a stencil to, like, put some beads <laughs> together. Like, come on. We all know <laughs> I'm She's, prodigy. like, shaming people. Yeah. I didn't need that. I didn't need that. Do you actually want to know something funny, though? I was not very creatively, like, good at anything because one time in art class, we made, like, clay models or whatever for our parents. And I remember specifically going into the art room during lunch and stealing someone else's because mine was so bad. And I gave it to my mom as a present. And she didn't find out that I was another kid's until literally three years. Three years ago. Until this podcast. podcast. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Mom, it wasn't me. that, That clay thing that's on your nightstand is not mine. I'm kidding. Um, I think we threw it away. Okay. You stole it? I can't. That's I bad. I stole it. Nika. Yes, I did. Okay, You're so naughty. In, Shame. Am, <laughs> anyway, back to the bendies. What happened naughty. with them? Yes, the bendies. So um, in 2007, they had to be recalled because um, the factory that they were being made in, this is real bad, the factory that they were being made in, they had used a cheap chemical on the toys instead of the chemical they were supposed to use. And this cheap chemical was very toxic. Now, back while, the reason why they switched it is because the normal chemical that they were supposed to use was I think three to seven times more expensive than usual. So they were like, oh, we'll cut some corners. Well, (laughs) don't do that because because the chemical was basically an active sedative. 
And then oh, obviously kids see like colorful beads. They're like, I need to eat that. And so <laughs> a lot of kids swallowed those beads and then they had to be hospitalized and Jeez. they were in like comas. Yeah, it was bad. And doctors found out that it was directly because of the chemical in these beads. So they made drug beads. They literally made drug beads. Absolutely. For babies. Great. Yeah. Yeah, because the doctors explained it was an overdose from having so many of the drug beads. And then... Drug um, beads. Literally. And so in North America, Australia, and Europe, they all had to recall the toys. And then in the middle of this recall... Recal, okay. <laughs> um, the press was worried, this is so funny, that by sharing how the beads kind of had like drugs in them, you could create a Bindi's black market. Because oh when you ingested the Bindi's, if you ingested just enough, you'd get high. If you ingested too many, you would die. People are so frustrating. <laughs> People are insane, honestly. But it's true. Like, free drugs, you know, and this little toy for four ninety five. You still got to buy the, you well, still gotta buy like the toy drugs. You know? But it's discount. Yeah, discount, discount drug drugs. beads for babies. Great. That's what they're called. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, people were just crazy. And then they had to be recalled. And then they had to obviously, like, take away the bad chemicals. And then they rebranded. I think they're called, like, aqua beads now or whatever. They still exist, though. Well, who needs Tide Pods when you have drug beads, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. There was another toy recall, though. This one is really close to my heart, and I'm going to talk about it. So this one affected my childhood experience directly because I, when I was growing up in Colombia, it was tradition for me, or Australia, too. This I kind of found them everywhere, except for the U.S., the dumb U.S. Um, <laughs> I grew up eating Kinder eggs, you know, like oh. the mm-hmm. like chocolate eggs that had the toy inside, and you would unwrap them and then eat it, and then I would like I don't know sometimes try to separate the like milk chocolate from the white chocolate. It was like a whole thing. I loved it so much. And then there was an egg inside, egg inside the egg exception, and um, <laughs> and you would find a toy and I didn't really ever care about the toys but I remember some kids like collected the toys like it was a big thing so tell me why I immigrate to the U.S. thinking my life is going to be better (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I can't find a kinder egg anywhere and I'm like I'm sorry do they not exist here turns out y'all they're illegal yeah, we really are working on our priorities here. We're like, no, no Kinder Eggs, yes, lawn darts. I know, literally, no Kinder Eggs, no lawn darts, but like, I could go get like an automatic gun right now. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I was horrified. And it, it turns out that the FDA eh, has a rule where you cannot put quote unquote non nutritive items inside of. Nutritive items. So basically, nothing inedible can go inside of something edible because of choking hazards. Now, unlike lawn darts, because I researched What about a king cake? Oh. Right? Right? And then people be choking on the baby Jesus. All the time. All the time. And when I looked up, hey, how many people have been hurt by Kinder Eggs? I found three examples in like decades of people choking on kinder egg toys and none of the examples were from children biting into the egg like the chocolate egg and then accidentally eating the toy it was always kids playing with the parts that came inside the toy which that's any toy yeah that's literally any toy so uh, 
that was just so bananas to me. And then the more that I looked into it, this is ridiculous. So it's obviously not the case in Europe or Canada and obviously not Latin America. Um, they are still thriving and I always go and buy some whenever I go visit Colombia. But here such a rebel. Yes, such a rebel. But here in the U.S., there is a black market for Kinder Surprise eggs, and there are Kinder egg smugglers. I'm not kidding. So (laughs) this man, who it's literally his job to smuggle Kinder eggs, said that one time he was bringing 20 back from a Kinder egg smuggling trip, and the custom agents detained him and forced him to eat 20 of the chocolate eggs in front of them and then they let him keep the toys inside because the toys are collectible people want the toys so he ate 20 chocolate eggs in front of these officers and then got to keep the the toys that's wow that's not insane and then um another couple was charged with a $12,000 fine for bringing in 10 kinder eggs for the their kids to try they priorities i tell you right it's insane it's just crazy because i mean we do have kinder eggs here they just don't have the surprise on the inside they have like other shit so i feel like what might be more lucrative instead of being a kinder smuggler is if you were just you took the regular eggs and then you fabricated Mm. toys and put them inside and like took the you like reassembled them or something that's i love that idea just like a side hustle for the kinder smuggler Okay. That's a good yeah. idea. I'll let him know. I'll reach Thank out. Thank you. Yeah, because yeah, I, I could definitely interview him. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was so shocked. So I've always been tempted to bring Kinder eggs into the U.S. when I go visit. And now I'm glad I have never done that because yeah, I don't you'd fine. go to jail. <laughs> yeah, 12,000. I would rather eat, you know, I would obviously rather eat 20 eggs than pay $12,000, you know, Absolutely. my personal preference. <laughs> would you rather go to jail? Or eat a bunch of chocolates. <laughs> you know that man was sick on the plane, though. You know, I am trying to, like, eat healthier. So that is, you know, I got to think about that one, Taylor. Gotcha. Of course. Mm, I'm thinking jail time. <laughs> like- I'm thinking jail. Well, speaking of jail and authorities, um, Taylor, don't you have an exciting story about, I don't know, officers? Uh <laughs> Yeah, is actually, the police involved in your story? Yes, I had to think for a second, but they okay, are. Okay, then say good lead-in, Nika. That was a <laughs> wonderful lead-in, Nika. I came Thank up you. with that phrase all on my own. I have a lawn, I'm holding a lawn dart to her like neck right now. <laughs> Kidding. We're going to talk about divination, okay? Oh, and never mind. <laughs> well, we'll get to the cops, don't you worry. But... Divination, if you don't know, is the art or practice of reading the future, past, present, you know, just trying to read into what's happening in life, what has happened in life, etc. So some examples of divination would be your classic crystal ball, reading tea leaves, pendulums, runes, stones, so many more. But the probably one of the most popular, like if you're not super familiar, you've probably heard of tarot cards, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So basically, the deck of a uh, tarot card deck consists of minor arcana and major arcana cards. And the minor cards are kind of like the daily life things, like your daily life ups and downs, you know, just your stuff that happens to you on a daily basis. And the major arcana are like the bigger events or the long-term things in life. 
So the person who's having their cards read shuffles the deck. And what basically what the idea is that they're transferring their energy to that deck. And but it's really kind of just like about your perception. And it's like how you perceive the cards, basically. So you like put your vibes into your cards. Yeah. And the cards just kind of like guide you there. Right. Um, And I feel like that's what magic is, though. Like it's leaning into your perspective because if you want to see something, you're going to see it and you're going to convince yourself that like the cards were speaking to you. When in reality, I feel like the cards just show you what you already knew, you know? Sometimes. No, it's real, Nika. But no, but that is real. Like you're you, like it's it's a it's a joint thing. It's a joint effort, you know? This one the, this story that I'm going to tell you though might change your opinion and you might just be like this is straight up real. Real stuff. Okay. Uh, but basically, there's like a couple of kinds of like a couple of ways to spread your cards. But um, this one that we're going to talk about, 10 cards were pulled. Anyway, so we're going to 2015 on May 5th in Brighton, England. There is this guy. Um, his name was Star. He was in either his late 40s or early 50s. Um, and he visited a tarot card reader named Miss Brayden. I'm not sure if this was a regular thing, but like I found out later that he's kind of like he's more of like a spiritual guy. So it makes sense that maybe he got his tarot cards read on a somewhat regular basis. But he did this, the 10 card pull. And the first card was the Blasted Tower, which represents kind of like a downfall or falling out of something or someone. Um, Again, that's how you interpret it, right? So your reader kind of like help guides you through it, kind of asks you questions to um, reveal whatever it is. Anyway, second card was the emperor card, which is like boldness or aggressive domination is how it was interpreted in this reading. And then the third card, oh, and by, mind you, all of these are major cards. So these are like major events in this person's life. And then the third card that was pulled was the devil card. So this guy, his his name is Star. Immediately he sees this card and just starts crying and he just like breaks down. So, which even if like you don't know anything about tarot cards, the devil card can't be good, right? And then a couple of the other cards that were pulled just to give you kind of a sense of what's maybe going on is justice and the justice card and the death card. So Ms. Braden sees how upset he is, and she says, quote, Look, I can see here this is not good. You need to tell me everything. Let's talk. That's what she says, and I just think that is just great. That's so <laughs> badass. Like This woman seems like such a badass to me. So anyway, so Star says, so he responds, and he's like, it's terrible. I killed him. So he just straight oh, up admits that he had killed someone and apparently he killed his roommate and had been living with the body for 10 days oh Oh. my Mm. like he killed him and then just like he didn't know what to do so he left him went about his day for 10 days went to go get his tarot cards read and like all of these terrible cards pull up and she's like you something's going on like what's up he was looking for guidance he was like what do i do with this body Exactly. So, oh my gosh. So, Ms. Braden for tips <laughs> from the tarot reader of how to dispose of a body. Yeah, when really should just listen to Cadaver Gals. I mean, just kidding. <laughs> <I was gonna laughs> should just listen to our podcast. <laughs> um. So anyway, Miss Braden, she's like, okay. Um, I have to call the police now. 
So she steps out. She told him? Yeah, she was like, I've got to call the police. Like, you know this. What did he say? I would not have told. I would have said, hey, I need to go to the bathroom. I I know. That was my (laughs) thing. But she was, like, apparently really diplomatic about it. And she steps out, gives them a little ring-a-ding. And (laughs) they are like, this isn't an emergency. Like, call the non-emergency line. And so she's like, no, 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 like, this is this is serious. I mean, and this was also, like, a bank holiday is May Day. And so they thought it was, like, the cops, like, thought it was a prank. So they were just kind of, like, not taking it very seriously. So it, t- it took them, like, 55 minutes to get there. And well, she's, like, interviewing the murderer. Yeah, she literally even joked. She was like, it would have been more efficient to go walk outside, call them, tell them I littered. <laughs> she was like, they would have jumped amazing. all over me. She sounds um, incredible. I love so this So a star just like chilling, being like, yeah, you're right. Call the police on me. Yeah, I think so. He was kind of like, I. he's like, I know I did a bad thing. And so she's like, let me go get you some water. Let's just talk it out. See, you know, how are you doing? Like, are you okay? Like trying to, she just was doing everything to stall and keep him there. So here is where she's just kind of like, she learns a little bit more about the deceased. Um, And she kind of like stuck to that topic of like who this person was alive rather than like the actual death part. She didn't really want to know any gory details. And I cannot say that I would want to know that either if I'm stalling sitting with With a murderer. murderer. Exactly. So Star had moved in with this 70 year old Mr. Marnie. They met at a spiritual church And they literally just moved in just so that they could have company. They were both kind of, like, lonely. And so they just wanted to have somebody to live with and somebody to, like, hang out with. Okay, and so this is really interesting. According to Star, they were just roommates. But they did share a bed. And then Star also said that Mr. Omarni, the victim, had sexually assaulted him a few times. Which, you know, as a woman, I I could understand that anger, I guess. But, like... You know, not to murder, but, like, also don't assault people. It just gets, like, really muddy. And, like, the fact that it's two men is just, like, I don't know. It's just, like, really interesting to me. I wonder how I wonder how the cops took that information and if it was used in his case or not. Like, could he have argued a self-defense? I mean, that's exactly where my head went. I didn't really find anything about the, the case specifics. But it was just kind of like he didn't – I guess he didn't call the police about it and there was necess- not necessarily any evidence of it maybe. I don't know. It's so hard because if you're a lonely person and you move in you know, with another lonely person and that person takes advantage of you and if you're someone who like doesn't trust cops, which like many times it's already been proven that cops do not help at all in like sexual assault cases but you don't have anywhere else to go and this is your new home like – also, in murder cases, oh maybe taking like an hour to get there to go yeah, no, <laughs> do something literally. about it. His mental state must not have been good. Yeah, obviously not. Like, apparently, he was just in the kitchen making a sandwich, and Mr. Marnie comes up and is like, confronts him about, I think, like, I don't know if it was that he wanted a relationship or, or what, but they, I guess, have some sort of confrontation, and he pretty deliberately stabs him. Anyway. So the cops eventually arrive, arrest Star, go to the apartment, and they're like, oh, my God, there's a body here. (laughs) And they were were literally, like, shocked, and they were like, you're right. But they just, like, did not take her seriously at all. 
So um, Ms. Braden went to the trial. That's where she learned kind of the more specifics. Freaked her out a little bit more. But yeah, so Mr. Marnie died from stab wounds um, and puncturing his organs. Like he got stabbed in the side and it punctured an organ. And so that's the story about this weird tarot card reading that had gone wrong. I feel like if or there gone was, extremely right. Yeah, or it depends I feel on how like you look at it. Extremely right is the <laughs> is the answer. Um, that's a really terrible story. Thanks so much, Taylor. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I love telling you terrible stories. Back, oh yeah, this is all about terrible stories. When we come back, we're going to chat about um, other moments that psychics and tarot readers were used in more secret government official ways. Um, so see you after the break. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. What if we told you about a major breakthrough on awesome savings on all-inclusive beach vacays? OMG, this could break the case. Case? I'm talking about CheapCaribbean.com. It's full of hot savings. At CheapCaribbean.com, score an extra $175 off site-wide on vacations of four nights or more now through June 3rd. A swim-up bar in Punta Cana or dip your toes in the sand on the shores of Cancun. We gotta take this show on the road. Start at CheapCaribbean.com. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back. Welcome back. So Taylor just told us a story about a tarot reader who unknowingly uncovered a murder, which is bananas. And... We were all talking and we just decided to go in on psychics and tarot readers and that sort of crew who have been used in government 
investigations. investigations. That's the word. That's the word. <laughs> um, when I first started researching, I was like, oh, there can't be that many. Like, what? Tell me why. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I There was a wealth of information. Yeah. Um, I was so wrong. There are, you know, Russian ESP experiments, Project Stargate, um, the documents from the now declassified Mars Exploration Program, the eight space theory. There is so much to detangle. So I'm only going to focus on one operation today and then we can get into more in the future or you can research at your own leisure. Um, Operation (laughs) Grill Flame, which is a terrible name, by the way. Grill uh, flame. No, I love that. What are you talking about? Is that like it a Guy l- Fieri like TV show? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It sounds like a Guy Fieri TV show slash a Dairy Queen special. Like what? <laughs> Girl flame? I can't. So in 1979, we're going to the 70s. A lot of crazy shit was happening and we are in the middle of the Iranian revolution. So... 3,000 militarized Iranian college students entered the U.S. Embassy in Tehran and took over 66 Americans that were living in the embassy compound um, hostage. Yeah, they were just like, hey, you're staying with us How nice. (laughs) So nice. Um, Obviously, this was a big problem. And so President (laughs) Carter... Thanks for filling that in for us. (laughs) So President Carter, our Georgia boy, and his aides, they tried everything um diplomacy international sanctions i don't know how to i don't know how to speak embargoes um they tried freezing iranian assets that were held in u.s banks which is insane nothing worked basically so then he ended up authorizing this operation called operation eagle claw which failed boop um nothing was working (laughs) spoiler alert geez (laughs) yeah so Nothing was working. Operation Eagle Claw, which is such an American word, by the way, yeah. um, <laughs> failed. What do we do? Well, you turn to the people who can see in the beyond. Operation Girl Flame had started prior to the hostage crisis. Under this operation, what the CIA did is they basically focused on remote viewing, which is the paranormal ability to receive information from a place or a person without physically being there. So that's like... That's like, okay, someone's interviewing me and they're like, and I'm not with you, Taylor, for example. And they're like, think of Taylor, you know, just like focus on Taylor, focus on Taylor. And then whatever comes to me and then like suddenly I'll be able to like see where you are or I'll be able to like visit you where you are or I'll be able to like tell of your emotional state or health or whatever. So that's essentially what remote viewing is. I see. Um, Yes. Will you remotely check on me a lot? I do it every night. Good. <laughs> Doing my remote viewing. <laughs> that sounds kind of creepy. Yeah, it sounds really creepy. <laughs> I lied. Please don't do that. So the CIA and the Department of Defense used this for military purposes, and they started this program to train psychics into remote viewing for their own you know, schemes or operations or whatever. Schemes. Schemes. CIA schemes. (laughs) So it had some varied results, but the reason why President Carter had some hope in it is because in 1976, um, a Soviet plane had crashed somewhere in Central Africa and the CIA just could not find it through normal, traditional intelligence. They were desperate. And what do we do in desperate times, guys? Turn to the unknown. (laughs) Yes. So um, they reached out to a remote viewing facility that the CIA had set up, and the secretary, Rosemary Smith, who was a psychic, 
managed to find it. She drew maps for the teams and then the CIA sent out a paramilitary team to track the place and sure enough, it was where she said it was, which is pretty bananas. That's crazy. Rosemary, damn. Right? That's very impressive. The president at the time um, that the hostage crisis was happening, Carter, he was like, okay, maybe the psychics can give us some info on the hostages. So the CIA had a group of six trained psychics to um, stay in this house in Fort Meade, Maryland, and they would conduct what they called um, viewing sessions there. They were like 30-minute sessions, and they did over 200 of these. And so they'd ask the psychics questions like, are the hostages in good health or where exactly are they located? And this happened for a while just because the hostages ended up being taken for 444 days. So they needed to like know this information, right? And they figured, let's use the psychics. I feel um, like that would be exhausting as a psychic to do that. Right? So tiring. Um, now Just there doing was, a lot of emotional and mental labor for the CIA. Yeah. And there was one occasion where like – For example, a psychic warned his interviewer that he saw a man being carried in a gurney and he was not okay physically, like he needed medical attention, and that this man would be released imminently. And this is so bananas to me. Um, It happened. So Richard Queen, he was a hostage and he had multiple sclerosis and he was on day 200 of being a hostage. And one of the psychics literally said that that was the man that was going to be carried in a gurney and the psychic literally said someone will be released his name will be on a deck of cards queen that's bananas whoa y'all make sure to have the proper medical care available and then richard queen was released exactly as the psychic predicted and because the cia listened to the psychic they had the medical attention that he needed um and if he had not had that medical attention he would have died that's crazy wow Isn't that so bananas? Um, There was another moment during the hostage crisis where they were planning a rescue mission and they were consulting with the psychics before doing the rescue mission. And the way that the compound was like positioned, there was a courtyard in the middle where the rescue mission was planning on landing a helicopter. And the psychic said that they saw the courtyard and that they saw cobwebs all over the top of the courtyard and that they shouldn't go on along with the rescue mission. And they later found out that those cobwebs that the psychic saw were actually bomb triggering wires that were all over the top of the courtyard. And so if anything would have landed on there, especially a helicopter, it would have detonated all the bombs and would have killed everyone. Dang. Isn't wow. that bananas? So, but the craziest thing is that you hear stories like this, right? And these are only the declassified stories. And then overall, like according to um, the CIA, it wasn't really successful. Like the Girl Flame operation. Um, they received around 200 reports. And according to the CIA, only seven of them were correct. And then 59 of the reports contained helpful information, but it wasn't like totally accurate. And so it's a very divisive topic on whether these people actually helped or not. One of the military trained psychics said that what the CIA has declassified isn't even like half of the of what they did um, via the operation and that they just didn't want to share it because paranormal science is not really taken seriously that's not where i want my tax dollars to go i mean yeah no that's that's what people think right (laughs) so the operation actually kept going for a while girl flame and then the operation was dismantled in 1995 i think the washington post got a hold 
of like what the CIA was doing with their tax dollars, of course, and released like a big thing. And then it just became like a whole thing and they had to stop doing it. That's like the, that's one of the many CIA stories. And so many of the psychics that worked on that team still do this work like separately, like independently. And remote viewing research is still going on within government funded operations. I think the most recent one is um, through, not NASA, the water guys. Who are the, the water Navy. guys? The Navy. <laughs> the water guys? <laughs> what are they called? The Navy. Through the Navy. Yeah. There are, there are some name, water guys. viewing research projects going on there. So it's not fully away. But I do think that like, you know, if you told the American public, hey, you know, a lot of your tax dollars are going into psychic research. Actually, all of them are. (laughs) Well, and cadaver gals were sharing all of the government secrets. So watch out for bendies and psychics. Well, thanks so much for listening. And we will see you next time on Cadaver Gals. Cadaver Gals. Cadaver Gals is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It is hosted, produced, mixed, researched, etc. by Gabby Watts, Nika Duarte, and Taylor Church. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Cadaver Gals. See you next week. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise. Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.